you know, it takes quite a lot of, um, really, uh, a lot of purification of the heart, really, to understand that his that God is ultimately a person. But it, when you when you consider like the lo- the logic of it, we're all persons. We're all individuals. You know, uh, there's no like how can something personal come from an impersonal we have quality we have certain qualities and we have them in minute proportions and god has them in full right so we have some beauty some strength some power some wisdom some renunciation some uh all these qualities right so we have them in minute proportions you see and so um we have these because God has them, you see? So we're like, you have like the sun. The sun is, we're compared to like, you know what a photon is? It's like a little ray of sun, right? A little atom of the sun or something. It it, it contains, yeah, it contains everything the sun contains, but in minute proportions, so it doesn't, it can't do everything the sun can do. Like it can, it won't burn you, right? Just one little photon or it won't, you won't, if you, if you go near it, things won't light up, you know. Yeah. But if you go near the sun, you can't even get near the sun because you'll burn, you see. Because it, it contains, it's the same thing, but in really minute proportions, you see. So the living beings, we, we are persons, we are people, because God is a person, you see. So we're, we're small. <laughs> it's like an ant, you know, you have an ant who's trying to understand surfing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ant, how is the ant going to be able to understand surfing? It doesn't have the capability, you know? So we, we're, we're working with the, this mind and this brain, and, and we're trying to understand if God is a person or not a person, you know? It's, it's, it's not possible for us to grasp our head around even how God is a person. Because when we think of persons, of people, what do we think of? We think of bodies, you know? We think of, I am this body, and this, that is a person. So God is someone with a body like my body. Not a body like a material body, but he has form. Yeah. You know that picture? He has form. But that's what he was like when he was here. Right? Yeah, that, that's, that's right. But his, he describes in the, in the, in the Gita that um, that is his original transcendental form and that his transcendental form never deteriorates. You know, so like he lived in this world for 125 years and he actually had a body that people could see. Like you could see, Krishna was here, you could see him. And uh, so that's what it means he appeared. He appeared here, uh, but you know, he was here 125 years and he never appeared older than like 20 years old. You never see Krishna, a picture of Krishna with white hair and you know, getting old. Because his, he's not under the laws of material nature. Everybody in this world, when they come into this world, they come under the laws of material nature. Maybe we should go on this path here. When people come into this world, they come uh, under the laws of, of material nature, which means there's laws that are above us that we have no um, control over. We're just, we're just pushed around and pulled around by, by maya, by the, by the material energy. So we, you know, for example, we don't choose who our parents are. We don't choose what our body's going to look like. It just got provided to you, you know? And there's other things that you're not going to um, 
that you don't have control over either. It's like, yes, that's right. Yeah, the, the karma does, not you. So if we attain enlightenment and pure, purify all of our karma, say we attain enlightenment, we become a Buddha. We go to the higher realm and then realize we want to stay on earth to help other beings. So we come back, we choose a specific life in order to help people in a specific way, whichever way we feel would be right for our specific spirit. Yeah, this, the, the, this is called the, the Bodhisattva theory. But it's a myth. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because the, um, the enlightenment of the, called Nirvana, which I was describing to you before. Uh, with, see, the, the aim of uh, Buddhist yoga or Buddhist practice is to attain the state Nirvana, Satori, which they, sometimes I think they call it Satori. Which, and it's the same thing as the yogis try to, some yogis try to achieve is this, this Brahma Joyati, this ocean of light. That they have a different way of describing it, but it's the same experience. And in that state, if you read the writings of the people that have achieved it, they'll tell you that there is no, you don't have any awareness of other living beings. You don't have, in the state, you don't have any awareness of any planets. You don't have any awareness of anything other than your own spiritual energy. You know that you were, it's called Brahman realization because. You realize you're a Brahman, you're a spirit. But that's all you realize. That's all. You experience yourself as a spirit, not matter. That's why they're saying, Aham Brahmasmi, I am spirit, not matter. So, but you're not, there's no awareness of other living beings. Now, how can you have compassion and decide to uh, come down into the world to help those that you don't even, you're not even aware of their existence? You see? Mm-hmm. You come back, you're still in this body, in this life. Once you attain that state, you don't just go off and leave, that's it. Done. Well, you can. Well, you could, but it's not... It's not, right? it's not, nec- it's not yeah, necessary. It's not necessary, that's right. So you come back here and yeah. then you are aware of everyone else. So you have this higher knowledge of this realization of spirit. Yeah. And you come back and still realize other beings. So you have compassion for these other yes. people. Yes, yes. So then in that life you may die having lived, you know, a good life or whatever, go to, say, the sixth or seventh dimension or however, what, whichever one you go to after that and then choose to then be reincarnated back here. Like some people have the experience, right? They have this experience of Brahman realization or Nirvana, whatever you want to call it. And they have the experience. Like my guru had this experience. He was, he was teaching people exactly how you were saying. He had the experience and then he was teaching people how to attain it. You know, he had a school... Uh, in Maui, and he was, you know, he was teaching. He was like the Paramahamsa Yogananda and Muktananda and stuff, like these, one of these guys. And he was, he was teaching people how to attain this impersonal, this, this impersonal aspect of God. And, and so, he had what you were saying, this compassion and everything. And he was, he was doing it genuinely to help people. He wanted to, to, to for the people to experience what he experiences because it's such a beautiful experience. You know, he, was, he described, you know, some, he was in Maui and there's this beautiful mountain in Maui called Haleakala and some people go up to the top of it and watch the sunrise and it's so beautiful, you know, and he, he was describing like if you go up to Haleakala and watch the sunrise and you know how beautiful it is, you take all that beauty and you, you condense it into, you know, one experience and you multiply it by a billion times, it's like, you know, this is the beauty of the impersonal aspect of God, this ocean of light, you see? So, um, 
So he was, you know, and he wanted, he, he was genuinely, he genuinely wanted people to experience that. So, um, but what happens when you come back down, you're not, um, it's not that you're, as soon as you start acting, as soon as you start doing things, you're, um, you become entangled and covered by karmic reaction, even though it's small. It's still there and it covers you and you must become liberated from it. So if you leave this world, still, I mean, if you die, in other words, leave your body covered by, by karma, you still have to, you have to pay that karma back. So you're, you're under the laws of, of material nature. It's not like you become, it's not that once you achieve Brahman realization that you become liberated forever. Okay, so... Um, just to give you more of a, 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 an understanding of, because, because I've learned from somebody directly who is, you know, genuinely experienced this. So there's a lot of fakers too, but there's, the, my spiritual master genuinely experienced it. And so this, as I described, when you experience what the Buddhists call Satori or Nirvana, or the yogis call Brahmananda or uh, Brahman realization, you experience, it's like, you know, right now, our, um, your influence, like I'm here, right? I can experience things going on over here. I can experience things going on here and down to my feet and down to my head, right? I'm in that space, right? So I'm, I'm occupying a certain space because I'm limited by this body, right? The, my life air is floating throughout my whole body. And an ant, you can imagine, experiences a less, you know, a smaller sphere, right? Whereas a tree experiences a bigger one all the way up there and a giraffe really big right so uh, this this experience is an experience because you leave the covering of the mind and the body and it's an experience of great vastness you merge like it's described like a drop of water merging into the ocean it becomes the ocean right it, it's very big but if you but actually it doesn't it just, it, it, it appears like it does, but it doesn't. It's like Ramanuja Chaja described it like uh, a green bird merging into a green forest. From a distance, it appears that it just merged and it's just one with the green. Everything's green now. It just became green. But actually, the, the green bird exists in the green forest still as an individual, right? So, in this experience, even though you experience yourself as very vast, you still... You're still, uh, you're still an individual. You still retain your individuality, even though you're not aware of it. And it's like a trance-like state. It's like a state where uh, it's, it's compared to like an ocean of happiness, an ocean of pleasure compared to the water in the, in the hoofprint of a cow. And the water, water in the hoofprint of a cow is the highest pleasures you can experience in this material dimension. And not even this world, like heavenly planets, where there's pleasures like 10,000 times as much as you can experience here. So that's like a puddle of pleasure, puddle of happiness. And the, the experience of merging with this ocean of light is compared to uh, like an ocean compared to a little puddle. So you can imagine this great happiness, you see, great blissfulness. But the soul, because we're individuals, we have a couple characteristics that make it so we can't remain in this state. And those characteristics are the desire to love 
and to be loved and the desire for, to act, to do things. This is inherent. This has nothing to do with the body or the mind. This is our inherent nature is to love and to be loved and to act, to be able to do things. So, so that makes us separate from God. It makes you separate from this impersonal aspect of God. It makes that, that's what agitates the soul and, makes the, and brings the soul down back into this world. The, that's the real reason. Sometimes they'll say, I descended out of compassion. But the, the major contradiction they have is that there's no awareness of anyone else other than myself in this state. There's no awareness of other living beings. So it's, it, compassion is an impossibility because compassion means the recognition that someone else other than myself is suffering. Therefore, I need to help them. So I make a decision to come down, right? So, but, yeah, I but get, I get you, you understand that? Yeah. Okay. I get, I like the agitation from, well, I think it's the best yeah. agitation from the impersonal aspect which brings you down, like separates you from God. Yeah. I kind of like that because it's like you, you think that you're more important or like you have specific traits or whatever that kind of brings you down. I like that. Well, it's just a natural desire to love and to be loved and to act. It's just something we have inside of us, you know? And so the experience is like, because this world is full of suffering. You don't, we don't even realize how much we suffer. It's, it's like the mind is always hassling us. The body is always pain. Um, there is birth, old age, diseases, death. There's so much suffering that goes on here. And there's so much stress in the mind that we don't even, we're hardly even aware that it's how much it is until we're free of it. Like, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, how, how hard is it to just kind of just sit there and be at peace? You sit on the couch and just relax and not do anything. Immediately, we've got to start fiddling with the phone or, you know, doing something, right? To just be and be satisfied within is, is, is very difficult in this world. The yogi who's merging with this impersonal ocean, this impersonal aspect of God, he's, he's always in this, it was called the mukti and bukti cycle. The desire for sense enjoyment, which brings them down into the world. And then the, he experiences the suffering that comes with it. Uh, the suffering from living in this world. And then this gives him the desire for liberation, uh, mukti. So then this, this desire for uh, liberation causes him to engage in the yoga process again. And raise the life force up through the uh, chakras, up through the top of the head. And merge back again with this ocean of light. Okay? So now he's in this ocean of light again. And he's experiencing, it's exactly like taking a nail out of your foot. You know like you're walking around with a nail for years in your foot and then you take it out? You can actually sit on the couch for a while and just be in uh, blissfulness because the, 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 the nail is out of your foot and it's finally out of your foot, right? So, but you can only remain on the couch for so long and then you're going to have to like, you want to tell people about it or you want to, you know, you want to do something, right? You can't just remain there on the couch. No, so, 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 so once we kind of get to that stage, though, like, <coughs> what is the point? Are we meant, uh, like, can we just go there and that's it, leave? Like, I don't know. No, you can't, you can't remain. It's only, you only re remain in that, in that, because of, as Surely. I said. So then what do we do? So, so then, so then you either come back into the body you left or you come back into another body. If the body's useless then. You know, so, so that's what happens. So some people, some people are born without any karma. You know, they're just born. Because when, when you raise up through the chakras, you, 
it's so painful that you burn off all your karma. It's described like, you know, some, <laughs> you have some like Byron Bay hippie yogis that are saying, oh, yeah, I woke in my earth chakra and it just felt so good. It's not real. <laughs> it, it, it's described like you take a, you take a knife or sword, right? And you, you put it over a flame till it's white hot. Then you twist it up your spine. And that's the, that's the first one. That's what it feels like. And then each one is 10 times more painful than the one before it. You know, so you burn off all your karma when you're doing it. Yeah. You know, so that's, that, that's, you know, you need to be free of karma. You need to become liberated from your karma in order to become liberated. So that's how they do it. So how do you become free from your karma? So, um, that's, so that's, that's one way of doing it, you know. So our system of yoga is different because... Uh, we're not interested in this experience of nirvana because there is a higher happiness. And th- this, in this happiness, the happiness that's higher than that is engaging in a loving, personal relationship with the source of this ocean of light. This ocean of light, the Brahma Jyoti, is like you have air in this world, right? You have the atmosphere. So this ocean of light is the atmosphere of the spiritual world. There are spiritual planets as they're stated in the Bhagavad Gita, there's spiritual planets. And in those spiritual planets, everyone who's living in there are living there because they have a close and personal relationship with the, the original transcendental person, with God. So the, the, happiness that's, the happiness that comes from this personal loving relationship is like having a... It's like described like an ocean of happiness compared to a puddle of happiness that is Brahman realization. Yeah. So remember we said Brahman realization is like an ocean of happiness compared to material sense pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Well, engaging in a, in a personal loving relationship with Krishna, the source of the ocean of light is uh, like an ocean of happiness compared to Brahman realization. So, um, so when you do that, is it kind of like reconnecting yourself? To that source, which you were, as you said before, aggregated from and came down. Yeah. So then, if you spend your life creating that loving connection with God, will yeah. you then return? Is that no? What? Well, that's Krishna's promise in the Bhagavad Gita. If you read, he said that the one who comes comes back to me doesn't return to this world, birth and death. That's his promise. So. Um, our process is not lifting ourselves to God. Our process is uh, accepting God as He descends. So it's a process of um, taking shelter in God, surrendering to God, knowing I am small, I am weak. I don't have the ability to lift myself to you. But saying that is kind of putting yourself down. When we have actually yeah, come from to God, yeah. you have to have that no, but we, relationship and respect for yourself as God. Yeah, but you have to understand that you're only a small little spark of God. You're not the oh, Supreme yeah. Lord. So, so you have to understand your uh, limitations. You know, we're small. We're, we, we come under the laws of material nature. We're yeah, dominated. We, we, have, we come under illusion. Like, we, you identify yourself as a body. I identify myself as a body. We're under this illusion. <laughs> well, at some point you did, right? Yeah, obviously. So I'm you come... You, right. So you come, you come, you come. Well, we all have thousands of lives, you know, for most of us. Yeah, that's right. But in each one, each one of those lives, 
we're thinking I am a bear or I am a tiger or I am a tree or I am an ant. There's a dog. I'm a dog. There's another dog. Bark, bark, bark. Should instead be saying I am God. It depends how you say it. It depends how you mean it, I mean. Like if you think I am the supreme Lord, I am the cause of all causes. No, no, no. We are all God. That's what I'm like. We depends tree, like yeah like, okay in that sense in that sense yeah the yeah that light that you're talking about. but yeah some people okay in that sense yeah that's true but some people when they say that they're god they're thinking they are the supreme lord like it's like the photon saying i'm the sun yeah, it's yeah. true yeah. the photon is the sun but it's not the sun sun yeah. you know but it's at the same time it's not separate from the sun yeah. but it's got to know its limitations it's, it can burn out really easy you know it can get covered by darkness you can get covered, you can get stamped out pretty easy. But the sun can't get stamped out, right? You can't stamp on the sun and pull and you know, kill it. So yes, we're at the same time we don't want to limit ourselves, you know what I mean? Like you say we have all these limitations, but the fact is we do. Society, government, schooling, all these bullshit concepts that are in place, that's what gives us limits. We've all forgotten our power, is what I'm trying to say. We've all forgotten that you know, where we come from, as you said, we've all forgotten where we come from and who we are and yeah, our but, power. But, but our system is, I have full recognition of my own um, lack of power. I have some power, but I also, but it's not, it, my is stronger than I am, you know. So in other, in, so, so our system, the system of bhakti yoga is taking shelter in God. Pantanjali, you know Pantanjali? Mm-hmm. Yoga Sutras, you ever heard the book Yoga Sutras? Mm-hmm very popular book, a, a book on Ashtanga Yoga, and um, he said, you know, in the Vedic system, they say, uh, when they say repeat something three times, it, it means it's of utmost importance. Yeah. If, if they do it, you know, if I say something to you three times, it, it means I'm emphasizing it. It's very important. And in his book, Yoga Sutras, he says only one thing three times, and that's Ishvara Pranidhana. He says it three times, and it means, Ishvara means the supreme controller, and it means, Pranidhana means to have full, full surrender to the Supreme Control as the, as the only means, only sure way of success in yoga is to experience this, to have, to know. In other words, you don't surrender to somebody when you think you can do it yourself. Yeah, you know, it takes, right. it, so, it, so it's, it's like, like surrendering yourself to whatever God would like you to do in this life. It, 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 and it, 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 it entails humbleness. Mm-hmm. It entails knowing that I'm actually small. My power is very limited. It's not unlimited, you know. God's power is li- unlimited, but my power is limited, just like a photon's power is limited. It's not a, yeah. So, so this is this this recognition is very very important, and sometimes it may take time to to understand that. But you know, life as life goes on, you see that you're controlled and you're very small. Like you you know you're gonna get you're young now, but you're gonna get old. You know, your body's gonna get old and wrinkly. And, you know, you don't have any say about it. You know, that's just material nature's power over you. You can't do anything about it, you know. So it's like, um, you're going to, you know, as time goes on, especially as you, you age, you start realizing how actually weak you are, you know. So, you know, when we're young, we all think we're all so you're powerful and so strong and everything. But, you know, as time goes on, we get humbled one way or another. So it's best to recognize it early on and then, um, take shelter of God and then that is the only sure way of success in yoga you see when you understand that you're small he's big and you take shelter and then you take shelter this is what the Bhagavad Gita is all about in the end he, he Krishna describes all these yoga processes and, and in the end he says he says that 
you know, abandon all these varieties of Dharma that I described to you and just surrender unto me. I shall deliver you from all sinful reaction. Do not fear. So this is, this is the, to have this humble, humble heart and humble consciousness, knowing that I am small, I am weak, I can't do it on my own. And, and you know, surrender to God, ask for His, his help. That's the, you know, because it takes recognition of knowing that I'm small and I'm weak. You know, and until we have that, we, we won't do it. But, you know, surrender, it's like, um, you know, when you have two, you know, you have like an army, you have two armies fighting in a war, right? A person only, sur one side only surrenders when they know they can't do it. <laughs> when they know that they're, they're weak and, you know, the other, the other one's stronger. So then they surrender, you see? So, so it takes recognition of my weakness. There's so many um, uh, yoga schools. If you go to most yoga retreats, they'll, they'll try to tell you that you're God and you, you're all-powerful and you just forgot, you know? And uh, yoga means to just try to remember that you're God. And then, um, but God doesn't forget He's God, you see? God knows He's God. God doesn't need to... But if we come from God, that, don't you say there's a contradiction there? Yeah, we come from God, but we're, as I said, it's not that we are... God is still a separate entity. You know, He's, he's simultane we're simultaneously one, yet we're distinct. We're not, we're not, just like the sun is one with the photon, yet He's distinct, you know? So that's um, that's the Vedic conclusion. That's if you read the Bhagavad Gita, you'll find this over and over again. And and uh, this this is something that is hard for some people to take, but it shouldn't be. It's it, because when you realize that there's somebody in control, then it, you can rest. You know, just like you're a little baby. Oh, you know, you you you, you you have a little baby. Who you know? Who's just walking around the world and getting smashed by rain and no shelter, and then he realizes, oh, I have a mom, you know, and then oh, life is much better. I have a mom. I can just take protection, of, take shelter of my mom, and she'll protect me. I don't need to try to make it out on my own, you know. So yoga is the same way. It's understanding. Okay, I'm weak. I'm small. I can't do it on my own. You know, <laughs> you can't do it on your own. Then you take shelter of mommy, <laughs> take shelter of God, and then everything everything's all right, you know. So. All right. We can talk thank later you. if you want. Yeah. Okay.
Hari Rama, Hari Rama. 